Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I am Jake. Fun-filled news episode for you guys today. We've got uh, some SSC updates. Jake yes. has a retraction from a previous oh, news article, which is... he was totally wrong on. I would, I... <laughs> I would like to note that I've never had to make a retraction. Oh, you, you have too. I'm always right. I remember right. for a fact you've had multiple corrections. Let's I have it. No, because there's been so d- many. Jake Solberg. so many. Knows for a fact. It is a fact. Do you know it how I know that? Fact. Because how? we have an entire episode called Chris Was Wrong. That's, that is the name of an episode. But you can't remember. You can't cite what it was. No, and neither will you about <laughs> this in two weeks. No, I'll remember. <laughs> Mark it down. So what have what have you been up to? I was looking today. So one of our listeners showed us cycle cars. Yes. And I had no idea what they were. I didn't either. And, and at first I was like. You sent it to me. You're like. That's just a go-kart. That's, I was like, I'm like no, dumb. it's this not. This grown men in go-karts. But then I kept looking into it. And all of a sudden, I got a message that says, we're going to Seattle to race cycle karts. Yes. I was like, all right, we're going to build one of these, and then we're going to go to Washington. Because would... what's cool about it is the so actual what is racing. Ci- what is a cycle kart? So a cycle so, kart, it is more or less It looks like a grown-up soapbox derby yes. with an engine. Yes. So what it does is it harkens back to the vintage racers in the 1920s. And these actually were a thing. They had cycle carts back in the 20s as a very cheap, affordable way of racing head-to-head. And they would race them on asphalt, around streets, around towns, as well as on dirt, which is so cool because now they've basically created a formula for these things. So right. it needs to have the same Honda engine. You can't modify it. Is it, it only has a what single kind of, How much brake. horsepower do they have? It is a six horsepower okay. Honda engine. It has like a maximum weight. It has wheelbase and everything. You have to yep. use the same tires. You well, can that's only one use... thing that I noticed about these is the tires. And one of the things that makes racing interesting is traction yes how much that is the number one thing that you can do to either make it less interesting and more or more interesting right you know, if you want you, cars sliding you around either you either add a lot of power so you don't have any traction because you're right. going too fast or you reduce, reduce the, tire. the contact patch yeah reduce the contact patch so and these are like little some of the formula three all those stuff they have narrower tires less right. arrow all to impact how much traction you have these exactly. things are all over the place yes because it uses and hence the name cycle car it uses motorcycle wheels and tires so what you are specified to this one exact tire you have the engine that's basically across the board the same and what they what makes it interesting though is they basically encourage you to take liberties in how you design the bodywork on these carts so they should look like a vintage car that you took inspiration from but they're like the more outlandish the more creative you're not going fast enough for aerodynamics to really matter are you no what are the speeds like 40 45 oh okay you can get to 45 but they said that is more than fast enough to get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I bet it is. On that small little So are you limited to what kind of brakes that you can have? Yes, I guess it is a single brake. Single brake. Single, just a disc, yes, right? It's, it's, a, a, it's, a, it's a mechanical disc just like brake a go-kart. attached to the same drive wheel. You can't also drive both wheels. Okay. So, so it's, it's single because, again, for traction, right? Right. And they also said it's for safety because they tried making them like just solid rear axle and the things will not turn. Yeah, I suppose they probably wouldn't. But anyways, yeah, I 100% want to build one of these and go racing. So now I have a whole other thing you got me into. So I noticed that you did not bring the pecan to the studio today, even though it is 65 degrees outside. I did bring the pecan. Oh, you didn't bring your 911. You brought the, the pecan. The pecan. Yeah. The pecan. Uh, disappointed in you. Yeah, it's I saw that you had the 911. I did. And After you ranted a few weeks ago, well, that's it. That's done. Well, Salt's on the roads. Done forever. I if you step foot on the driveway anywhere else, your car is just going to fall apart. Well, I did not see any salt out when I was driving around. 
uh, last week, so I figured I would just bring it down here. You know but what here's they're the doing, thing. Woodbury, after they salted, they went by, there must have been like a dozen uh, like sweeper trucks yeah. going up and down even my road. Sweeping like they up the salt? everything. Yes. Why? Because we don't like road salt. I don't know. Well, they're going to have plenty of road salt here pretty soon. Normally, we, do, we, do, we aren't normally driving the cars around in November. That's not typically something. You're that, right. It isn't. Not typically something. My throttle linkage, though, got like stretched or hung up on something. And so I was like, I'm too lazy to fix it right now for one more day of driving. It's really not that complicated of a system. You could probably I do know, that but I have to five lift minutes. the car up and figure out where it bends. Speaking of lifting the car up, did you get your lift stuff yet? No, that is coming at the end of the month. Okay, so that's, that's coming. So I drove the TDI a lot, you know, as, and I've filled it up one time. Since I got it. But right. It, this is your Mark IV you just got. The Mark IV, the winter beater. The, the, the rusty Mark IV that's lifted on snow tires. Okay? It's <laughs> just like the, it is the ultimate, I don't, I don't give an F about this car. Yeah. And I got over 600 miles per tank. Super great. I'm, I'm never going to be a guy that's like a, a fuel economy guy, a hypermiler, where I'm talking on the podcast, like, boy, geo God, Willie. <laughs> well, you're calculated. starting to get so, there. But, um, it's slow, right? It's well, super yeah, slow. It's, it's, it gets great fuel economy, whatever. It's beater. Got in the 911 today. Talk about contrast. I've been driving the, I've been driving that diesel around for a couple of weeks. Holy oh, cow. It just resets your perception. I absolutely. It, every time I get into that car after not driving it for a while, I get goosebumps. Yeah. And it just, it overwhelms me with, with emotion. And, and I just, I am laughing to myself in the car, like shifting from third to fourth at 7,200 RPMs. It comes down to like 5,500 RPMs and yeah. you're still screaming. It's just screaming. What? Yeah. You know, and that's one of the great things about having a higher red line is it's screaming all the time. You know, it's not yes. dropping down at 3,500 RPMs or something. It just screams. I absolutely, <laughs> I, I just, it makes me so happy. I just cannot. And it's the contrast that gives that to me. You know, it's the contrast of driving right. in the doldrums of this TDI, which is, you know. Well, again, it's like resetting your perception. I did. Ex- because after a while, you get used to speed. Yes, in any absolutely. Car. Absolutely. That's why I don't change I'm power. bored with the turbo. I, I am so bored with the yellow turbo already. It's so slow. It, it I did so notice slow. as we, when we first drove that thing, it was, I'm like, we were wow, like, holy Whoo. shit. By the time we got there, it was like, yeah, let's just, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. I misshifted again because this shifter sucks. Okay. Do you, know, do you know why that was? Why? What was the deal? Okay. So when so I. So what happened was second to third, you'd miss it every time. Yeah. It was, it was it awful. Felt, I was like, this is so sloppy. And we're talking about the 996 turbo. That Correct. That we, we picked up in yeah. Texas. So I, uh, when I switched it over to winter mode, I. Winter mode. Is that what you call it now? Yeah. You put the front, front drive axle in and it's winter mode. Well, I also put winter wheels and tires on it and I changed out the front lip for a uh, Carrera 4S front lip because yep. I know it's going to get destroyed. Is it black? Yeah. Or it's just a black lip? Yeah, it's just okay. that there was a turbo lip spoiler sure. on it. And so I changed that out because I got one for free. And I'm like, well, this is going to be the sacrificial winter yeah, front yeah, yeah. lip. Yeah, for so sure. yeah, that's winter mode. So are you going to t- are you going to take all this stuff off, including the front drive no, axles? No. Okay. I'm going to change out the wheels and change the, the lip and maybe lower it again a little bit. Okay. Um, but anyways, while I was under there doing all this and adjusting the ride height, I was like, wait a minute. I'm looking at where the shift cables come into the transmission. They have basically a mount that they slide into. And there's these little retention clips to keep the cable in place. The clips were basically had fallen out. So this was, there was a bunch of play in the cable itself. Are we t- saying fallen out or not installed properly? Uh, no. I don't see that that's something that just falls out. That doesn't it, seem likely. I don't know whether it was installation error or whether it was just wear and tear and it had deteriorated. Anyway, it feels slow. Well, no, anyways, the shifting feels much better after fixing that. 
but still slow. Feels but slow. slow. Yeah, which slow. is crazy for a four hundred and forty. Four? No, it's like four twenty something. So four hundred plus horsepower car. That's that. That's absolutely yeah. crazy. And I was thinking, I'm like, okay, well, what is when we're really chasing speed? What number are we really chasing? I mean, obviously now with all this SSC stuff, we're chasing well, three hundred miles an hour. But I was chasing, uh, thinking about chasing two hundred miles per hour. You want to go? And then I'm, miles th- an hour. I want to go two hundred miles per hour. And I'm thinking, okay. what is the cheapest? What do you think is the cheapest way to get to two hundred miles per hour? Well, can I drop a car from a plane? No. Because that would get you going pretty quick. I don't think. I don't think you're. You don't think terminal velocity is two no. hundred? Terminal velocity of most things is not two hundred miles per hour. Mm. Try again. That's weak. Come on. No, that's well, not in the, okay. That's obviously not in the spirit of what I'm talking about. No, I know it's not. I don't know. Get some old car that has a bunch of power. You're not worried about acceleration, so just somehow gearing. You might have to change the rear final drive gear, and then just we're not talking about Bonneville here. Okay, for, we're talking about uh, four ninety four. All oh. right, we're talking about going. Being able to go 200 miles an hour on an interstate somewhere like SSC did or just obviously we're not shutting down any freeways, but we could go up to North Dakota and and try it out. Well, I think arrow is going to be your biggest problem. Yeah, that's going to be an issue. So I would just duct tape every vent up on something and just try to get there. Just try to You would just a stock car. Maybe like a, a Mustang change out the rear differential gear. So it's theoretically gearing possible to hit 200. And then I was thinking of just uh, just nitrous. Just nitrous just everything. Just nitrous the whole thing. What are you nitrousing? Um, like an old, like a Camaro or a Mustang right, or just yeah, something okay. so with, we're kinda on something the same with page. some displacement. And I asked Scott Birdsall from uh, Chuckles Garage. He has right. the, the old Pikes rusty, Peak. Old, yeah, rusty, yeah. Well, the uh, well, Ford diesel. Yeah, the Pikes Peak uh, current diesel record holder. I said, what would you do? Okay. And he says he would take uh, a Lexus SC300. Okay. Which, if you think about it, it's a great choice. You just throw a big turbo on there, maybe some because nitrous. Because that has basically the 2JZ was that was not turbocharged. He says the car is $3,500. <laughs> I feel like he's thought about this, actually. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah the answers were pretty good. Car, $3,500. Engine build, $8,000. Turbo system, $4,000. ECO and wiring, $3,000. Tires and wheels, $3,000. Parachute, $700. Fuel system, $1,000. And he goes, what's your budget? I just said, zero. <laughs> <laughs> like, he wants to build this thing for you. Yeah, I'm like, come on, parachute? No way. No, that added up way too quickly. There. Yeah, it added up way too fast. So I think I just want to do I it. I like our I, idea I want to do it one time. muscle car. Get a Camaro with yep. a V8 yep. and just, I don't care what it is. It's just some V8 Camaro. Like you said, tape everything shut Yep, and just put like a 150 shot of nitrous in it the thing is <laughs> is that the big issue it will be it will be limited theoretically by, by the gearing, gearing. that yeah. is the problem so that's why with these old muscle cars though you can just change out the rear differential gear right to something different and that's you probably have to get something custom when you nobody makes a uh it depends because a lot of those cars used really tall gearing in the rear like a 410 or something is sure. what i was gonna put in my mustang when i had it your Up v6 from, mustang would yes. love that it actually would have done a lot for that car. But um, like factory, it had 373s or something. But a lot of the trucks or just the regular cars, they're more for fuel economy. Yeah. They'll have a very low gear Right, ratio. right, right. So if you throw that in there, theoretically, you probably could get up there close. We'd have to do some math. I think I'm it would not be, going to. I think it would be fun to try. I don't know. You'd have, you'd have to get like a, at least the tires you're going to have to need to do it are going to be more expensive than the car. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What have we, uh, what have we got yeah, before actually, we get into a little bit of news? Before we get into the news, Chris, we have a new sponsor. Oh, Jake. What? I tried to race a sheriff today. Did it work? It did not work. <laughs> what, I, what does that mean? You tried so There's to... a sheriff in a Durango. Okay. You know, it's all Anoka County Sheriff. He's all decked okay. out in the sheriff's gear. Are you lights, like everything. at a stoplight? We're at a stoplight. Uh-huh. I'm in the 911. Yeah. I just look at him and I started just 
rev. I don't know why. Yeah. I started. <laughs> I started revving the shit out of my car. Wow! Whoa! And he looked at me, and he just gave me a thumbs up, and I pointed at the streetlight. <laughs> <laughs> and he rolls his window down uh-huh. and I roll my window down. And he goes, how fast does it go? I go 65. <laughs> and then he turned right and went away. It was, it was awesome. Oh he was, he was thoroughly entertained as, that is as amazing. was I, but I just imagine if <laughs> how you could fast does it go. 65. Yep, 65. I said, what's the speed limit? 65? He goes, yeah, about there. I said, that's it. That's, that's all it's capable of going. And then he turned off and went away, and I went straight, and that was, and that was the end of that. But it was a, it was a great moment. Yeah, that, yeah. That's pretty entertaining. And my car's quite loud. So yes. you could technically oh, I'm get a sure ticket he could have given you a ticket. Yeah, he could have given me a ticket. But he, well, he, revving is also like you can ticket that. Yes, my car is quite loud, so he right. could have ticketed me for sure. But he didn't. He had a good time. He had. He was <laughs> a good spirit about you. You're I just like know. high, like good mood. I was in a good mood driving the car. I was in a car. Wow! It was it was three revs all the way to all the way up to like seven thousand RPMs. Oh, oh wow, my wow. goodness! Um, there was a time when Jesse. We, this is this is a dark time. Okay, this is a dark time. <laughs> okay, I had a. Volkswagen Rutan. Oh, I forgot. That's the minivan. Rutan, the minivan. It's the rebadged Chrysler minivan. Yeah, it's a rebadged town of country. And it has a 280 horsepower, 260 horsepower Pentastar V6. Okay. And it's front wheel drive. Okay. So it reminds me of the old Taurus show where if you would just touch the gas, it would just one wheel peel immediately. Oh. I mean, they were just, wow. They were just, <laughs> Jesse, when we first got it, we yeah. were right next to a cop. Yeah. And she starts to go and just does a one wheel peel right next to the cop. And the guy just looks over <laughs> at her like, what? What are you doing? What are you doing? And she's like, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was uh Did that thing not have any traction control? Uh it just you know, just it, it <laughs> wasn't it wasn't just like a, a little yeah, bit. Just chirping yeah, a little bit. All right. Yeah. No, Chris, we have a new sponsor that I want to announce. Akin driving gear. So Akin Driving Gear was founded by true enthusiasts who create everyday gear that celebrates the act of driving itself, which I feel like is all about your yeah, philosophy. That sounds Chris. good to me. So most driving shoes are designed for basically track days, but aren't built to hold up to daily use. Akin wanted to change that, since every drive deserves good shoes, not just the occasional day at the track. Their driving shoes are more versatile than dedicated to racing shoes, but are far better for driving than just your average running shoe. Put simply, the Shift driving shoe, which I got a pair of, is a modern sneaker for those who love to drive. They feature a rounded heel for more comfortable foot movement on the pedals, and they have that... That's what I need is a rounded heel shoe. Yes, you do. Yeah. They also have a unique heel-toe guard, which prevents scuffing during that technical pedal, pedal work. You don't need any of this. If, for me, I need it for, for, uh, for road trips. Technical driving, I'm fine with the shoes that I have. You know? Okay. But the, the, the issue that I have is the when you have a heel that's sharp or square... And you don't have cruise control. Yeah. Your foot is constantly being stressed out by right. the by your heel. And yeah. that's So I actually got a pair of these before we did our rally this year. Did you wear them on Super the rally? Super comfy. I wore them all through the rally. Nice. It was awesome. Cool. They work better than Birkenstocks. I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's. Well, uh, Which is I'm a, surprised. A low, a low bar, Chris. But you tease me about my Birkenstocks. You and your driving so shoes. So check out the Shift driving shoes along with their other apparel at akingear.com. That's a k i n gear.com and be sure to use the code overcrest to get free priority shipping in the u.s i should mention that these guys are also minnesota based right here locally grown
And make sure you support all our sponsors. We've got Akin, like we just mentioned. We've got Ober Car, Car, Car Care. We've got uh, Petrol Box. That's right. It's really important that you, got, you visit them and pick up a few of their products. Try them out there. They're all great dudes. We would not have anyone on the podcast that of uh, stuff we didn't even use ourselves or we weren't we proud of yeah. uh, having them on the podcast. All right, let's get into a little bit of news. All right, so... Chris, with all the controversy surrounding the SSC Tuatar record speed run. Yeah, we had Joel from Motor Authority. Yeah, he talked about it. But yeah, I hope everybody then, had a look at his article because he broke it down yes, he really, did. really well. Really technical. He talked to the right people. Well, since that happened, the CEO and founder, Jared Shelby, put out a personal statement on YouTube. So he basically stated that they didn't realize there were discrepancies in the data until people started to question it. And Jared admitted that he kind of dropped the ball and then explained what they're planning to do next. The perfect view I had of this record is now gone. And no matter what we do in the coming days to try to salvage this particular record, it's always gonna have a stain on it. So as I sat there thinking through, there was just no way to now make this perfect. It hit me. We have to rerun the record. We have to do this again and do it in a way that it's undeniable and irrefutable. First of all, the music choice is a little interesting. It's a little depressing. The music choice behind it was the, kind of a downer, wasn't kind of it? Like, I, yeah, I would use a little bit more hype behind that. But <laughs> this is what I've been saying the whole time. They need to redo it. Yeah. They have to it redo it. It doesn't matter how many ways they prove the data or spin it. There's always going to be this weird, like, people wow, be, was it really? Yeah, people are counting rocks on the side of the freeway, everything else that they're doing <laughs> to try and figure it out. You know, just they're counting how many times the driver is breathing and trying to guess what his heart rate is to try and figure out how fast it, this thing is going. It's crazy. So it'll be very interesting to see. They basically said, we for sure are going to do it again, and we're going to prove it once and for all. They're going to get all the different, uh, like, GPS monitors besides just Duotron they're using. They're also going to do Garmin and some others, as well as having a lot of uh, witnesses there as well. Why don't they? Why don't they just have a guy with a laser gun just point the, like just measure it with a lidar or something like that? That makes a lot of sense. Just, yeah, just just whoop, oh well, if it's good enough for the court, it's good enough for me. Right, just have a cop down at the end of the freeway. Yeah, and just beep. And, oh yeah, well the the lidar, the laser, which is the speed of light, <laughs> uh, is, which is a fairly reliable measuring tool. We uh, use lasers well, all the time. It is relative, Chris. Relative to what? Well, do you want me to quote Einstein here or what? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, it's also interesting. Do you remember we had Jason from Engineering Explained on the podcast? Yes. So Jason actually also had uh, one, his... One thing uh, what? before you get into Jason. The reason that they don't use a laser, a light or anything like that, because it's measured over a distance. You have to be able to do oh. it over a distance twice. And that's just the way it is. I don't think it should be. I think if you've reached the speed, boom, that's how fast you're going. You've done it. Yeah. You know, I don't like this whole averages thing. I don't know if they do that because maybe it's a quirk with the wind. They got to do it in both right. directions. Because I don't it know. will always be different based on the wind. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, so Jason from Engineering Explained also analyzed the video data, and he gathered up all of the available facts and conducted what he called some, quote, dumb calculus, which I like <laughs> how he put that. Uh, and all calculus is dumb to Well, me. he figured out that based on the distance traveled, the speed of the car was off by a factor of one48 Eight. He then went on to talk to Duotron to see if that error could be attributed to the device used. 
what they said was that, yes, in theory, there could have been a correction factor used for the speed input, which could have thrown off the numbers. This is, by the way, kind of exactly what Joel Fetter was speculating as well, that that happened. Here's what's really interesting, though. If you take that scaling factor and apply it to the claimed top speed of 331 miles per hour, it results in a hypothetical 226 miles per hour, which is way, way off. You would think that the driver would go... Would be able to feel Yeah, that. an actual race car driver would know, because the dude's... I don't... You know, I don't know that I want to go 220 miles an hour. I only want to go 200. So <laughs> you think that this guy, he's talking about how he gets out of the car. It's this hugely emotional experience for him. Right. But it just goes to show how much your perception oh, yeah. of what is going on affects your emotions and what you truly believe. Because he thought he was going 300 whatever. He had the computer right there. It said that's right. what he was doing. Right. And I mean, so he truly believed that's how fast he was going. And that impacted th the propaganda of what the computer was saying, impacted his emotions that <laughs> the over, over, overtook his experiences as a race car driver and, and caused him to be hyper emotional about it. Yeah, he was. Um, since SSE said they will be making another attempt, Jason from Engineering Explained also went on to calculate the theoretical top speed of the Tuatara. Now, he used power, drag, drivetrain loss, and all these other factors that he actually contacted SSC and got from them. So, like, frontal area, coefficient of drag, what tires they use. He basically did everything. What he found, like I said, using their own data, was that the car is theoretically capable of reaching 345 miles per hour. Now, there is sort of an asterisk to that number since, as we were talking about gearing earlier, right. the car is actually gear limited to hit 336, meaning it'll just run out of revs before it could basically reach its theoretical top speed. Regardless, it should be really interesting to see this next run whenever they do it. I saw on Instagram that this guy, uh, Slippery Win Wayne. <laughs> Wait, that's his name? <laughs> that's his name. <laughs> Look out, ladies. He's here, Slippery Win Wayne. He's got a, he's got a Kona's egg and a bunch of other stuff. Okay. This, this really rich guy with tattoos, and he's a slippery dude, apparently. <laughs> I appreciate your willingness to run again and set the record straight once and for all. If you're willing to do this before year end, I will pay to shut down Highway 160. I have checked with North Dakota's uh, transportation, and they're willing to make it happen. Let me know. And this, uh, we, someone looked up the cost of this is six, about $60,000. Is it really? So slippery when Wayne is about ready to drop 60 Gs to get this guy to come to North Dakota. So it's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's got a kudos to Wayne. Kudos to to, to slippery when Wayne. The ladies, man. <laughs> slippery, slippery when when. when this name all right have you heard of <laughs> robo race i have not okay yes you have we've talked I about know, this but before. i don't remember what this it is. is the company that does autonomous race cars okay robo now so well do they actually build the cars or do they hold the competition between the cars i don't know i'm I sorry i think the robo race is basically a i think it's the series right yes, the, that is the well, series let me read the article here um robo race was announced in 2015 to much fanfare fanfare and that's what the article says, but I don't think there was very much fanfare. We don't know of it, we so were, certainly there wasn't that yeah, much fanfare. As a proposed autonomous motorsport series, there you go. Yeah, so it series. is the series. Back when we were nearing the peak of the self-driving hype cycle, so it seemed like the imminent possibility. And I even felt over, when we first started doing the podcast, like what, three, between three and four years ago, Yeah. Um, I was falling victim to the hype cycle of the autonomous car too. Yeah, I, mean, I know you were. It was, I remember you were like, it's happening next year. I was like, no, it's not. It, Settle down. It, it definitely threw me for a loop just because I'm 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 terrified of it, right? Uh, <laughs> during Robo Races event 1.1 launch, which was streamed live on Twitch from Thruxton Circuit, SIT Autonomous's 
800,000-pound race car called DevBot 2.0. By the way, that's price, not weight, right? Yes, yeah. (laughs) Uh, The prototype set off from the grid and immediately steered into a concrete barrier. (laughs) And we posted this on our Instagram, so you can see it. If you go to our Instagram, it's uh, at Overcrest Podcast. It just, it goes... Wham! I mean, it is. It's driving for me. It takes a right turn from the starting line. Yeah. Someone from the engineering team explained the less than ideal result. This is live. This is happening live. It was live. Just imagine the the hands on the head. The less than ideal result of the car's second run, pinning the blame on, quote, a problem during the initialization lap, which caused the steering control signal to go to NAN. Not also, a number. Not a number. Yes. <laughs> this was transformed and read by the car as a normal number, albeit a very large one, causing it to steer hard to the right as it oh, set off. Oh, interesting. So it just said, oh, I don't have a number. What am I going to do? And, and boom. Go away. <laughs> there you go. Bam. It just crashes right into the wall. And I'm, do these things have sensors for impact? Or it just says, well, this not a number number is so high that we're just going to run right into the wall. Well, no, I, I think can't it's, wait it's to a submit steer- to our artificial <laughs> intelligence overlord. My my understanding of that is it has a steering basically vector, right? Yeah. So think of zero is like straight zero to one. It's one eighty. Right. Let's yeah, call it okay. degrees. Or so it, yeah, this is not a number. It's like oh my god, this is a huge number. So I'm going to turn as far as I can into the wall. Into the wall. <laughs> yeah. So it uh, did stop accelerating once it hit the wall, though. So it, it obviously knew it hit a wall. Jake, what is wrong with your seatbelts in your car? Any car that you've ever owned, what's wrong with the seatbelts? I didn't know there was something wrong with them. The answer is nothing. <laughs> okay. The answer is nothing. <laughs> but I bring you the Skoda Smart Buckle. Okay. Okay. Uh, this buckle features a clear, transparent button in place of the traditional red eject button. Wait, the whole point of the red button is so you can Listen. like easily see it. Listen. Okay. This new button features a pair of multicolor RGB LEDs that operate in two modes. Okay. With nobody in the seat, the LED glows white to show the passenger where the buckle is located at night. Because okay. every passenger that's getting a car has never put on a seatbelt before. Right. And they have no... I when I get in a seatbelt in a car and put a seatbelt on, it's so automatic for me right. that I don't. Maybe because well, you know what you do is you you look to to grab. I'm doing it right now. You look to grab over your shoulder, and with your other hand, you're already feeling where the receptacle is. Right, right. So it's I, I don't get, even do. I don't I even need why. Maybe they think they should do this, but maybe the first three times you get in a new car, also maybe you need. Here's this. the other reason you don't need it. If it's that dark out, guess what happens? You had just opened and closed the door, so the dome light the came dome, on. The dome light is on. That's true. With nobody. In the seat, the LED glows white to show the passenger where the buckle is located at night. Skoda uses a crystalline pattern on the clear plastic to spread the light and make the whole button glow. That sounds distracting. Fans of undercar ricer spec lights, <laughs> <laughs> my words, uh, uh, will enjoy the second mode in which the buckles can be programmed to have an animated welcome sequence wait, to make what? them even more noticeable in the dark. What is this? What this is, is what Nikki changes, your wife changes to yellow and like oh, strobe she when she gets would. in the car. She totally would. Skoda also thinks of the kids when someone is sitting. So this thing turns red when it's buckled. Okay. So it's white and then turns red. Skoda also thinks of kids when someone is sitting in the seat. A weight sensor switches the LED to red, indicating the occupant should put their seatbelt on. This way, parents can immediately see if their children have either forgotten to fasten. Or they or could listen to the annoying buzzer. Isn't there always a Not dimming? in the back seat. Not in the back seat. Oh, okay. Once that's corrected, the LED changes to green to confirm and then back to white. Also optional for normal human beings is yanking the seatbelt for free or listening for an audible (laughs) click when the seatbelt is engaged. Also free. Also going, this is what I do to my kids. Hey, is your seatbelt on? Yes. Can you show me? 
and they grab it and they move it. And I go, okay. And then I drive away. Right. Is this, this is what, this here's, is, here's the other problem. This is progress, Jake. Oh, this I is know. when there's nothing We've left to do. There's nothing left to do. <laughs> we have nothing left to do. So now we have, <laughs> we have strobing seatbelt lights. This is where we're at. Here's what I'm imagining is 15 years down the line when you're buying this car used, this has a sensor obviously in the buckle and it's going to malfunction at some point. Yeah. And now your car is going to think that your seatbelt isn't buckled, ding, even though it ding, is buckled. Ding, oh, it's going to be terrible. Ding, yep, ding. You, know exactly. what, you know what they make is they make, this is a great thing. They make bottle openers. I know. That fit into the receptacle. And what they use them for is they use them for guys who have race harnesses in their car. Yeah. They don't want it to ding, so they put right. their, their 4 point, 5 point, right. 6 point harness on, whatever it is, and then they put this little thing in the thing so it doesn't, right. the key in the deal. Yeah. And that's probably what most people I almost people bought do. one of those for, I don't know why I would ever need it, but. Yeah, I nothing. no car I would ever take on track would have Wait, a it is anyway. kind of Isn't it kind of disconcerting, though, that it's a bottle opener? Like you're yeah, that's a the, beer. Yeah. Like why? Yeah, you're not wearing your seatbelt. You might as well drive drunk. Well, too. if we're going to cast this, we might as well make it so people can drink. <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember us talking about the right to repair law? Yeah, I do. And do you remember what it is? It's basically the fight for being it. Well, my example was I had to go to the dealer after doing an oil right. change just to have the computer reset. As you know, everybody voted the other day. Yes. And we finally have some results back that matter. Okay, let's hear uh, it. With 74.8% of Massachusetts Massachusetts voters approving, so it overwhelming, yes. 70, 75%, on question one or the right to repair law, uh, it passed. That's so awesome. they are, it, it demands that car, mark, car makers allow owners and repair shops to access their own car's repair data, starting with model year 2022. Okay. So they won. So and the fact shops that and owners- they're lo- basically rolling this out for Minnesota means that now all automakers are going to be Massachusetts. It, yes. For Massachusetts. Yes. But most manufacturers are going to comply because this is going to kind of, you know, right. it's, that's it's, my point. You have yeah, to adhere precedent. to the, to the latest, the least common denominator, right. right? Although it software is something that's easy to click on and off with the little True. buttons. They could so maybe it's going to be at the dealer. Certain, oh, it's right. at a Massachusetts dealer. Let's do this. Although this is precedent now. So most yeah. other States will adopt something similar. This means that independent repair shops will have a level playing field with car makers and dealerships. Level playing field in the way that they have the option and the right to fix things. Now, we talked yeah. the other day about um, the cost of some of the alignment machines, which are in the tens of thousands of dollars. That way mean, more than anything else. Yeah, but you also, even if you have, okay, the right, that means, well, yes, now Porsche is able to sell you that big computer, big expensive tool yeah, to, to then access it. it. You still can't afford it. I mean, no. you have to take the bumper off. You have to do all kinds of crazy stuff. To even even the, for the self-driving, the like the, yeah, what is we it, were the, talking the about smart the cruise and the stuff like that. To, it's, it's, it's astronomically expensive to do any of it. Um, the, Corrine McSherry of the Electronics Frontier Foundation, which I'm guessing was a huge sponsor of this bill, has the last word saying, quote, the right to repair is the simple proposition that if you bought it, you own it. And that includes the right to fix it yourself or take it to the repair shop that you choose. I, I do really like the spirit of this law. Yes, absolutely. Manufacturers want to keep consumers tied to them as long as possible after the sale is done, and they are not afraid to use false security and privacy claims to scare the consumers into agreeing. We're glad voters saw through it, and those tax- tactics did not work. And I'm wondering, now that this has passed, if farmers are all of a sudden going to jump on this and go, hey, 
hey, yeah, we bought this. That was where this all started. Massachusetts farmers are all over this right now. 100%. They are all over it. And hopefully they can get out of taking their John Deere with the GPS control, the whatchamacallits, to John Deere to have it replaced because those guys have no access to any of it. Right. And it's not not regulated by the Department of Transportation. It's a completely different thing. So I, I think they've had a little bit less... You know, there's 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 probably less uh, publicity. Yeah, well, everyone owns a car. Only right. you know a thousand people own a tractor or, or ten thousand tractors out there. However many they probably sell a lot more than that. I'm, I'm sure just saying there's a lot less than cars. Is yeah, what, is for what sure. Saying. But it was interesting because yeah, we I do remember talking about this a while ago. And people aren't buying new tractors because they want the older ones that they can still. Yeah, or they're themselves. buying hacked ECUs from China to oh, put in their geez. tractors because wow. they need to be able to repair it themselves. And that's one thing that farmers have always done. Yeah. They plow their fields, they repair their shit, they've got a workshop. My Uncle Don in on the Cluel uh, farmstead uh-huh. has thousands of acres, and his barn is covered in tools that are all greasy, and the and the workbench is stained, and it's it's this great place. You know, it's this, you know what doesn't look like that? The, de- <laughs> the dealership, yeah. which is just full of- I thought you were going to say my garage. <laughs> you know, my garage looks exactly like it's all messy and everything's yeah, dirty. Exactly. Yeah, it's a place where people actually work on things. Um, so let's get to your uh, your thoughts on the on the Bugatti uh, well, it, super it, fast car. It turns out that I was I was wrong, Chris. Uh, Bugatti did in fact build a single Bolide. And, and what does Bolide stand for again? It just means like fast, fast. Yeah, yes, it's fast, fast yeah. in French. The, the, the Bugatti fast, uh, and they took it out. They did take it out on the Paul Ricard circuit in the south of France. So I had said it was stupid because all they were doing is releasing a render, and it was dumb. They didn't even make it. In my defense, all I had seen at the time were renders. That's all they released. They didn't yeah. release this footage, and the auto blog article I cited also made it sound like this thing hadn't yet been built. Oh well, there you are. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You should be. You one should be sorry. exists. One. <laughs> That's so, that is it. There's one. All right. So we now have an official look at the Golf R, and we've been kind of waiting to see what was like, going to okay, happen. Okay. So this is the Mark Nine. Eight. 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 Mark six, seven, eight. Yeah, eight. Eight. Nine is going to be the last last one. Nine is the last Golf. Okay. According to Volkswagen, that they unless they see something. This is it. You know, Volkswagen's putting all their money into all the electric stuff, the ID right. stuff. And I think Mark 9 is going to be the last one. Which but is we the... won't get a Mark 9 Golf here. No. Only the Golf R and GTI. That's correct. Okay. All right. So um, I'm going to still review, rev- uh, save my final thoughts on how it looks to see it in person. But right now, it's ugly. I'm going to click on this to take a look. It is I'm not a good looking car. I think all I, of the Golfs. I, it looks it's, fine but it's the an front, evolution of everything else yeah but the front end looks really derpy it's saggy and the angle that's in the in the article that you see is looking down at it which makes it look, look all right but you see it if you're standing there and you're looking at it these aren't it small not, cars anymore either it's not they're it's, tall well it's only uh 25 pounds heavier than the previous one right so it's but, still, it's not but it's still mat it's massive. yeah the problem is the the vents opening the grill opening goes all the way to the bottom so there's no real body colored lip on the bottom to yeah. ground it visually yeah. Like the outgoing Golf R, the EA888 2-liter Turbo 4 powers the 2022 model, but now makes 315 horsepower up from 288. Uh, it's going to have a 7-speed automatic transmission. Times for their 0-60 to 60 run and the Golf R with a 6-speed manual transmission are not yet available. Obviously, I'm going to want the manual. Right. Right. Uh, the Golf R rides the same MQB platform as the GTI and the current car, but it features several hardware and software upgrades aimed at performance. Uh, it has new torque vectoring in the rear, McPherson's uh, suspension systems. It has some control arms, all this typical crap. It thing. has some control <laughs> arms. That is the greatest feature description I've ever heard. It's got some control yeah, it's arms. it's got some control arms. Electric assist power steering. That's awesome. You know, 
It's going to be a modern, fast, complicated car. Yeah, so the 2022 Golf R will come with four main driving modes, is what I found interesting, okay. plus two sub-modes. So you've got all the oh, modes, geez. right? Got all the modes. All accessed by pressing the blue R button on the steering wheel, which undoubtedly will probably be glowing, goading you to push the button. <laughs> the, the main modes are comfort, Sport, which is the default mode, is in sport. So you actually, I kind of like that. It's where you have to always put in, default in sport. Yeah, you have to I put like in comfort that. if you want. Because if you had this car, you would always put in sport. Of course. Uh, it's got race mode and the configurable individual mode. Mm -hmm. Individual mode allows drivers to choose settings more comfortable than the standard comfort settings and more taut than the standard race settings. A special mode uses the track map of the Nürburgring as its icon and is meant for track duty. It's specifically tuned to the Nürburgring and features softer, really? softer suspension settings than race to help keep the tires in contact with the pavement it also has the other sub mode drift mode oh drift mode uh, it also has a 10 inch in, uh wait how do you drift this thing it's all wheel drive you can come on have you not tried to drift stuff like this i know you but can throw them around yeah yeah it's basically what it's doing is it's it's Putting as much power to the rear as possible and taking all traction control away. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I doubt it's taking it all away. I bet it's helping you drift. So yeah. it's using the yaw control. Yeah, it's sensing the yaw of the car and, and the wheel speed sensors and going, okay, he's drifting. Let's keep it right here for the guy that has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> he feels he's got a huge grin on his face as he's looking out the window, and then he goes to try and drive uh, his his buddy's uh, Mark Five R thirty two and smashes it into whatever because he has no idea yeah. what he's actually doing. Yeah. You have to be able to make mistakes to learn. And these cars are getting so good that they're not allowing you to make mistakes. Mistakes can be expensive. You have to be smart when you push the envelope on things. <laughs> stupid should hurt, Chris. Yeah, there should be. Stupid should hurt. Yeah, where's the the stupid mode? Which is, <laughs> I'm sure there's there's race mode with uh, traction control off. It's probably the stupid mode. Yeah. 10-inch uh, touchscreen infotainment system with oh, R-specific views. The screen shows such information as real-time horsepower and torque. Torque distribution, boost pressure, G-meter, operating temps for the transmission and oil, and coolant. Blue headlights match the exterior, and the steering wheel is new with touch controls with haptic feedback, which I think is a. Uh, I've I've been in some cars. The Ford had this for a while, yeah. where the touch screens aren't haptic. You just touch it, and yeah. you can visually see. Maybe it beeps. Right. You have to you have to have some sort of physical feedback. Haptic feedback. You have it on your phone. Yeah. Uh, you know, the whole screen is haptic feedback. It yep. vibrates when you touch it. It helps a little bit. Um, Volkswagen did not say how much it's going to cost, uh, but we're going to get a fully loaded model and pricing will mostly stay in line with the outgoing model Which with an increase for the extra content, like $40,000 yeah, or something. It's kind of crazy. Give or take. Um, so I found out that the, the uh, I hope you have around five or six, maybe $700,000 sitting around because I found the ultimate <laughs> Jake Mobile and it is for sale. Okay, um, I don't have that much just sitting around. Okay, so this vehicle is based on the Rodeo drive wing of the military which is the G-Wing. G-Wing. The G-Wagon. Wait, the Rodeo Drive? What? The, is the Rodeo a Drive military. All the, the, the Rodeo Drive in California where yeah. all the, the rich ladies drive around yeah. and go shop at Burberry. This is the vehicle of choice, the G-Wagon. So okay, it is, that it was is a the, joke. I get it. It is the Rodeo Drive military wing, um, except this one has six wheels. I've seen this and yes. I always wanted one. Yes. Well, there is yeah. one for sale now and bring a trailer. Mercedes yes. gave this thing uh, six wheels and the G63 powertrain, is, which is like just over 500 horsepower. Yes. 536. Oh, it's so cool Powered looking. all six wheels, five lockable differentials. Oh. <laughs> uh, Mercedes fitted portal axles for better clearance, even oh. wider stance, while the central tire inflation system allows you to air up or down yes. from the comfort of the cabin. Uh, production ended after about 100 of these. Yeah. So this I didn't realize they were actually made by Mercedes. I thought it was an aftermarket company that converted them. Right. Well, I did find one that you can probably afford. It's made by, uh, a, it's called the Indomitus 
Dominus, which was uh, chosen for the name of this because it means untamed and wild in Latin. Just okay. how you want your your lovers is Indominus. <laughs> um, so this is a modified Ford F550, and they actually modify Ooh. these things in uh, in Mankato. Oh, here, really? Here in Minnesota, yeah, they make these things. They're right, they have six up. wheels and blah blah blah. But I have a story about one of these. Okay, a wild pursuit involving a stolen three hundred fifty thousand dollar truck belonging to a famous DJ. Started in Malibu and came to a crashing in in the San Fernando Valley Wednesday night. Try not to laugh. Oh, no. The stolen truck began, belongs to DJ Marshmallow, whose real name is Christopher Comstock. The, <laughs> what? DJ Marshmallow. You've never heard of Marshmallow? No! Marshmallow is pretty big. Oh, okay. He's a big Marshmallow. Big, <laughs> he's he's a, white. He's, he's poofy. A big, no, I, he's a big like Marshmallow. Most people know who Marshmallow is. Yeah, I'm sure the Michelin man's good buddies with him. <laughs> the incident <laughs> began sometime between 6.30 and 7 p.m. where the Ford F550 6x6, valued at 350 grand, was stolen from the service bay of a Ford dealership. Wait, he stole it? It's, I think it's his and someone else stole it. Okay. Is what I'm gathering. Um, according to Los Angeles police, the suspect rode up to the dealership in a bicycle, threw the bike in the bed of the truck, and then drove away. <laughs> a few hours later, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Deputy spotted the truck driving recklessly in the area of Balibu Knowles Road, which, of course, why, if you had one of these, they're built to drive recklessly, I imagine. A yeah. pursuit ensued. While the driver jumping into the southbound 101 freeway, California Highway Patrol officers took over the chase. The pursuit aired on KCAL 9, as do all highway <laughs> pursuits in California. <laughs> DJ Marshmallow, his manager, Mo Shalizi, who had dropped the truck off at the dealership to be serviced, posted video uh -huh. of the pursuit to social media. It was a pretty brilliant move there. Officers unnecessarily tried to stop the truck using a pit maneuver. Come on! You're not going to pit maneuver a 6x6 F3550 and a spike strip before the driver exited the freeway in the San Fernando Valley and began circling surface streets. Just after 10 p.m., the driver eventually lost control. Wait, coming. so how long is this chase going? Okay, so this says 10 p.m. Does it say a time or... The incident started at 7 p.m. Wow. It was stolen. So he drove around for three hours in this thing. It's got a decent-sized gas tank. I would imagine. Yeah, fuel tank. Is, <laughs> I'm assuming this thing is, is, a, is a diesel. Um, just after 10 p.m., the driver eventually lost control, coming out of a Taco Bell parking lot, drove up onto a sidewalk, and sheared a light pole in the area of Coldwater Canyon somewhere in California. The suspect, who was not identified, probably not a DJ, was then peacefully arrested <laughs> by California DJ. Highway Patrol officers. He may have been under the influence of alcohol or drugs. Yes. Yeah. It's unclear exactly how much damage to the to the truck the truck sustained. Uh, so this is uh, been verified to be one of the Diesel Brothers trucks that he probably bought it from the Diesel Brothers. Had it built by them because it was their SEMA truck last year. Oh, really? Someone was looking at photos and stuff. Oh, like that. So it was, interesting. It was uh, it was one of those. Okay. Interesting. All right. So kind of a serious topic here. All right. And this is, um, you know, everybody thinks that if you've got a zillion followers on Instagram, you're popular on, on TV, you've got a podcast, whatever, everything's awesome because you get to drive all these great cars. You get to drive, you know. Sounds great to me. Yeah, sounds great, right? Um, during a recent interview on YouTube, and I encourage everybody, I'll leave this in the show notes to go watch this interview. It's very, very very good. Okay. During a recent interview on YouTube car show, The Late Break Show, Chris Harris opened up about mental health issues as he faced that he faced stemming from his role as host on Top Gear. Not due to the stresses of being a TV presenting while caning multi-million dollar cars, but because so-called fans of the show don't like that his name isn't Jeremy Clarkson. Hmm. Now, I like Chris Harris. Yeah. Of all the guys that have taken over at Top Gear, I like Chris Harris. I think he's genuine. Yep. I think he's funny. I think he's a hell of a driver. I think yeah. he's 
I watched him when he had his own like YouTube channel before Top Gear. Picked him up. Drive had him before before Top Gear. Yep. He's very very good. He's a great presenter. I always enjoy his perspective because I I think he's honest. Yeah. Right. I think he's an honest presenter. Um. He says, "Quote: It's mental health awareness time." And yeah, it got me. Absolutely got me. Harris said of feedback from the show's viewers, "It just broke me down." People that know me know I'm a pretty tough cookie, but after a while, it catches you at a bad moment. Once a population wants to hate something, you're in trouble. I've never experienced hate like it. It's brutal. Properly brutal. I've got thick skin, but if you're waking up every day to hundreds of direct messages going, you're shit, you're not Jeremy, whatever. When that first season broadcast, I thought four or five episodes in, why am I doing this? I'm going to stop immediately. I can't handle the abuse. So the show just isn't as good as I wanted it to be. It was tough. Wow. Yeah. He, uh, he goes on to say that, but he, he basically was forced into sticking with it. You know, mm-hmm. if he would have just been career suicide had he quit at that point because all his hardcore fans kind of went, thought he sold out yeah. by going to top gear. And then all the top gear people hated him. Right. So he had no, he had to stick it out. He had no other recourse. Wow. If a few things in your life go south, then the abuse and it is abuse. It's not criticism. By the time people are just sending you messages, not even on the back of content, they're just saying, you're a prick. You've ruined Top Gear for me. I'll never forgive you. Once they're doing that, it is abuse. And if you're in a good place and the sun's out and the rest of your life is rosy, you can see that and you can ignore it. Or as more likely the case, you won't see it because you won't go looking for it because your life is so busy and positive, you don't need to look at the messages. Right. But when you're sat there with a glass of whiskey one night, oh, woe is me, and you read the messages and you're like, what? He says, grimacing. He's, I mean, this was tough for him, I think. Hmm. So I did pick up the phone, go and see someone, and I had to sit down. And you know what? I'm still doing that now because I'm not, I'm not because I'm really in a bad place, but because I read it, because I need it, because it is relentlessly negative. Wow. It's, uh, it's a really, really, really interesting interview, and I think it's worth a watch. And I think it's not because it's uh, Chris Harris and not because it has anything to do with cars, but I think people get really, really wrapped up in jealousy and envy, and they think – because what they see on social media, and people, we talk about this all the time. Yeah. We talk about the facade of social media, right? You look at somebody's life. Oh, my God, that guy's got a GT3. He's going to racetracks. He's, you know, he's. It's depressing because then you you put themsel- yourself up to these people that you envy. Yeah. You're basically using social media and other people. You're seeing only the best of other people's exactly. lives. And that's one of the reasons why I try to post my mistakes when I'm working on things with the cars is it's not always easy. Yeah. It's not always easy. It's not supposed to be easy. Life isn't easy. Just because your life is, has hard parts in it does not mean that other people's lives don't because yes. everybody has a cross to bear. We all do. And one of the things that I've always noticed is money doesn't really make you happy, but it does buy you choices, right? You get different choices. You get different opportunities to make choices. However, happiness is something that can be a state of mind. And com- and it's compare- also relative. Right? It is relative. And I think that there's there's this having contrast in your life is, is yes. really, really important. And sometimes being rich doesn't offer you that type of contrast. Um, anyway, I just wanted to, to touch base on that. And just to give everybody a reality check today, when you go on social media and maybe you're feeling bad that someone else has this, that, or the other thing, I don't even think it's a conscious thing that we do. No, it's certainly it not. It isn't something that you're looking at at so-and-so, Captain Rich Guy, whatever, with nine GT3s and a GT whatever, and you're going, oh, man, it's, it's just, I, what do I got to do to get that in my life? Or, no, it's just, it's like you say, I think it's subconscious. It is when subconscious. you constantly see these things where you think you're less than. Yeah, but you're not. Don't use that as a barometer. Maybe take a break. 
And I, I just wanted to get that out there to try and, you know, I think especially, with, especially with the right now with the politics that are going yeah, on the on whole social election media, deal. It's okay to walk away. It is. And it's hard. There's times where you put your phone down and you're like, I'm just going to put this thing down for a little while. And without even thinking about it, that thing is in your, in your hand. Again. <laughs> Take a break, walk away, especially with everything that's going on right now in the world. And just be with your friends, be with your family, you know, get out and do something. I know that's tough with COVID for some people, but if you can go hang out with a few close friends, it's, it's, it'll, it'll be the best thing for you. I promise. Or even go for a walk, yes. get outside, put some headphones on, listen to some music and just, just get away from it, you know, and just, and just, and just get away. I think that is sage advice. It is. All right, guys, we will see you uh, next week. We've got a great episode coming up on Monday. We have uh, an Brenda. automotive spy photographer. Yeah. So if you like clandestine talk and, <laughs> and photography and cars all mixed into one, you will really like it. So we will see you guys on Monday. Take care. Thank you.